My guest today is Nick Culverson, one of the co-founders of ProTennis. ProTennis offers a couple of software solutions, one of them being drug diversion surveillance software, which is why I asked Nick to participate in an interview with me today. I am always interested in hearing about how somebody's business got started. And a few years ago, Nick told me how ProTennis got started, and I thought it was a pretty cool story. So I wanted him to start by sharing that with us. So welcome, Nick. And please tell us how ProTennis came to be. Thanks, Terry, and thanks for having me today. Uh, yeah, so I started the company about seven years ago when my co-founder and I were medical students at the Johns Hopkins University. Uh, we didn't have a goal of becoming a startup uh, founders or uh, business owners or um, entrepreneurs by any means. It just kind of happened um, this way because of the technology that we were working on at the time. And so my co-founder and I wanted to work on a research project together while we were med students. Um, Hopkins is very research focused and encourages students to participate in projects. And we wanted to have a project together that combined our backgrounds. My co-founder, Robert Lord, used to work at a hedge fund uh, and, and specialize on various financial analytical tools. And I was a green brain in the military and specialized in human intelligence. And so like my co-founder, used a number of, of analytical tools, although on the intelligence side of things. And so while we had very different backgrounds, um, very similar, and that we had used these various tools and we got into healthcare, we didn't see the same type of, of data modeling or, or analysis that we were used to in our previous lives. And so we came up with this data model where we built profiles on patients using information from medical records, like what medications they're taking, what procedures, what uh, their problem list, uh, encounters, et cetera. Then we built profiles on the workforce that was interacting with patients. So things like HR data, like their title, their name, depart, um, department, et cetera. And then we took these two profile sets and we weaved them together using system access logs that told us what types of employees were interacting with what profiles of patients and in what order and, and what they were documenting inside their medical record. And so as a result of this, we were able to see um, you know, kind of the second by second heartbeat of hospitals on how employees were interacting with patients and how they were documenting their care. And so not only could we see these emergent patterns of behavior, like what uh, pre-op versus post-op looked like or inpatient versus outpatient, we started to see anomalies in the workflows too. And when we looked closely at the anomalies and showed them to hospital administrators, they said, oh, this is fraud. And we would actually pay for a solution that helps us catch this kind of stuff. So when I say fraud, there's all different types of uh, examples of that. Um, one of our current solutions looks at when employees just go into the record they're not supposed to, or a HIPAA violation. Um, but the type of fraud that we look at um, relevant to, to this show is we can identify when employees are pulling narcotics out of vending cabinets and diverting that medication away from patient care uh, and using it for either um, their own purposes, like uh, use, taking it themselves while at work, putting patients at risk, or um, just not giving it to patients in the first place and, and also putting patients at risk. So it's it's uh, incredibly important value proposition in that it's helping um, uh, employers, hospital employers, uh, reduce risk for their organization, but it's also just protecting patients from uh, the occasional incident where employees are diverting medications away from their care. Great. So your your career path went in a completely different direction. 
and uh, Johns Hopkins lost a couple of medical students because of their encouraging research <laughs> that uh, actually was very practical and resulted in something pretty neat. I don't recall if you told me before, but what is the story behind the company name, ProTennis? So Robert and I chose ProTennis because it's Latin for onwards uh, or upwards. And our goal with the um, original research project was to come up with a technology solution that would help us advance our understanding of, of healthcare. Our original goal was to be able to improve readmission rates, improve outcomes, more of a, a patient-focused um, uh, analytical model. But what, what came out of it was that we were able to identify these compliance issues and able to build a company around that. And you know, we talk about AI and analytics a lot in healthcare around precision medicine, population health, and other really fascinating areas. But the reality is we're a couple years off until we start to see a real impact from artificial intelligence. That's not true for compliance, though, uh, and, and uh, risk reduction or, or fraud detection. And, and the reason for that is because when it comes to compliance, you have really well-structured data and very clear policies that you can enforce at scale. So we're able to deliver you know, uh, virtually 90% uh, accuracy with our analytics um, using machine learning and artificial intelligence and really set a higher standard for how compliance can be enforced at scale and help create that culture of compliance generally. So uh, we thought, you know, why it was, <clears throat> wasn't the original intention, we thought the name really fit because we are really trying to help move healthcare compliance forward using really sophisticated and, and cutting edge analytics. Right, yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, the the drug diversion surveillance is kind of the focus for today, but the other stuff that you offer is certainly very important. And you have several clients that take advantage of that other piece and it's working very well for them. So we can't forget that, that that offer is out there as well. Okay, so if somebody told you, you know, up till now, I've done a pretty good job of finding and identifying the people, however they do it. They, I, I, I can identify people that I need to audit further. And then I perform a manual audit and I got a pretty good track record. I mean, we're, we're finding people fairly consistently. So why should I spend whatever money, whatever investment is necessary to bring a software platform on board? What would you say to them? Well, first I'd say great job because not every hospital system has a diversion program and even a manual one is doing way more than, than nothing. And we know that so much diversion is occurring beneath the surface because health students aren't monitoring. And so that's just risk that's uh, going unchecked. And so the fact that you have a program, I think is great. Um, the second thing I'd say is all of those steps you take in a manual process can be automated virtually. What, what uh, AI is really good at is um, uh, subject, I'm sorry, objective task at a really high scale. And so when you think about things like reconciling uh, a medication administration record against a dispensing cabinet log, that is a very objective task um, that, that no human could do at complete scale. Uh, and so that's something that the AI really shines well and is able to, to take the same work that you're doing in a manual audit and doing it across not just a subset of, of logs, but the entire enterprise, every single pharmaceutical transaction. And so when you when you take a software platform like Fortenis and you scale the, the 
auditing work that you're doing at, at scale, what you can then do is focus your attention on the areas that matter most, where subject matter experts are really good at the subjective uh, gray area or questionable um, analysis required to, to finally remediate a solution. So when, when we show folks our, our platform, I use the analogy of um, really just starting the finish line because all of that work you do in a manual process can be done by the AI and just present with you the final results of here's what the AI found is questionable. Now you can start to act upon it uh, and, and do that at scale across every transaction that's occurring in your organization. Okay, that makes sense. Now, as a follow-up question, they might ask you, well, there's a few software platforms out there, so why should I consider ProTennis? It's a great question. Uh, there are a couple software solutions out there, and, and one thing I'll say, be perfectly honest, is that all of us are new. Uh, you know, drug diversion analytics is a is an industry that's only a couple years old, and we all all the organizations that are uh, addressing this space I know very well. Um, we all care deeply about this problem, and we're all working hard to constantly build new features. So I would keep in touch uh, with all the companies and understand how they're investing into R and D, how they're improving, how they're coming across new new ways to improve upon um, the platform. I can tell you for Pretenis, where we really focus a lot of our time is not just in detecting diversion, but thinking about how to prevent it too. Uh, it's great when you can identify a, a situation that's been going on for a long time, but wouldn't it be great instead of waiting for someone to build up suspicious behaviors over months, um, you know, constantly putting patients at risk, wouldn't it be great if you caught the first time they diverted a single pill? Uh, and so what our analytics look for is not just the um, broad, uh, questionable behaviors that are indicative of someone diverting over a long period of time. But we also look for the small indicators that uh, are indicative of someone going down that path of, of diverting. Because no one comes into work one day and just says, well, I'm just going to steal uh, a ton of oxy today. I'm just going to do it for the first time and I do it in bulk. They typically do uh, these, these early warning signs where they, they do a little bit of a sloppy practice. Maybe they uh, uh, forget to document something, they see that they get away with it, and that behavior builds up until they get really comfortable with it, um, uh, and, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And so, as, our, as I mentioned, what our analytics will do is we'll catch the big stuff so that you can investigate that, but we'll also let you know when the small stuff is happening. And we create workflows that you can automate where, for example, maybe you send a, an email to an employee and say, hey, we caught you doing this thing. As a reminder, it's up against our policy, um, so, for example, you've held on to medication longer than you should. We, you know, we have a 90-minute um, administration window after dispensation, something like that, where you want to reinforce best practices. And we've done studies where if you get an opportunity to have that personalized on-the-spot education, like Terry, we just sent you an email and said you should do this, you have a two percent chance of repeating that policy violation or doing something worse. But if you don't get an email like that, you have a 70% chance of going down a path that's going to uh, increase risk or, or put patients uh, at harm because you didn't get the early education. So we find that by uh, not just focusing on, on the really big events, but also the early warning signs, you're able to actually prevent a large amount of the diversion that's happening with that throughout our health systems. And those emails are, are an automated function that it they could be templatized yeah. and, and okay. fired right out of our platform yes okay that's neat all right that's great 
what and what you said about all of the different solutions are constantly evolving and doing new things that that is 100% correct so currently at protennis what part of the controlled substance chain of custody do you follow from wholesaler to reverse distributor Yep. Well, we think it's important to have end-to-end -end coverage. And so our strategy focuses on all areas where pharmaceuticals are being touched by workforce and could be uh, uh, specific incidents for diversion. We started focusing on the wards where um, uh, nurses and anesthesia um, physicians could be diverting medications from dispensing cabinets because that's where uh, I, I believe 86% of diversion is occurring. Uh, are on those floor units. So we thought focusing there first was the biggest bang for a buck. Since then, we've, we've expanded our offering to be in look at a central pharmacy like the vaults, uh, where diversion doesn't happen as frequently, but it's still pretty prevalent and, and still an important area to cover. And then I'm really excited because earlier this year, we partnered with an organization called INMAR uh, that helps us not only um, uh, 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 reach additional customers through their really extensive customer network, but they also um, have a lot of technology that looks at the reverse distribution space. And so we're partnering with them to be able to identify diversion on that side so that we truly have uh, a comprehensive end-to-end -end analytical solution to ensure that no pharmaceuticals are being diverted away from patient care. Okay, great. Does Enmar also do something on the wholesaler side, the front-end side, as well as the end? They do. In fact, they work with about 85% of hospitals uh, overall, both on uh, wholesaler and reverse distribution. Okay. Okay, great. Fantastic. Do you, Nick, have a couple of examples of how a facility used your software to either identify or to uh, progress through that investigation piece for a user that was diverting? We do. Uh, numerous. And, you know, one of the... Um, anecdotes that really touched home for me was an incident that we had with a customer early last year before the pandemic, uh, where the customer reached out to us and said, you know, not only were we able to catch someone that was showing these early warning signs of diverting, you know, we didn't have to actually go through our full um, remediation steps because we caught it so early. Uh, and so what happened was typically you find an employee that's diverting narcotics, you need to go down a path of, of termination or you know, even maybe getting law enforcement involved if there is some real illegal behavior going on. But our institute, this institution we worked with was able to catch an incident so early that they could identify that the, the uh, care provider was struggling uh, with addiction. This is actually quite common, um, especially when organizations, when, when employees are, are overworked and under-resourced and they have such easy access to substances that can be abused. And so they started going down that path where they hadn't put yet patients in harm. They put it, hadn't created any risk, but they were starting to um, uh, abuse the access to the narcotics that they had. And so as a result, the health system was able to send that person to rehab uh, as a way to actually address the, the source of the, the, the issue and keep them as an employee. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you think about the actual um, the actual problem solving element of this, like, again, it's not just about detecting and getting, catching the bad guys. Uh, people in healthcare overall are extremely benevolent. They want to help. They want to do the right thing. And sometimes, especially in the era of, of the pandemic, where you have so many uh, nurses and physicians that are overworked, under-resourced, understaffed, 
um, it can be too easy to fall down that path. And that's why we really want to focus on that prevention side so that we can um, uh, you know, avoid the risk from starting in the first place. Oh, that's a fabulous story. You're right. That's too often, I think, overlooked is that we have to one of our goals should be to get to them quickly so we can get them help. And that's the perfect example of how it happened. And the facility was willing to not just dismiss them and that's that, but to get them the help that they needed. And then hopefully they could come back successfully and, and you know, not have that abuse problem moving forward that they could kick that and caught it soon enough, hopefully that that, that also helped matter. So that's an excellent example. You mentioned earlier that you guys do some research and I know you have a diversion digest. Is that, what goes into that diversion digest? What kind of information is in there? So uh, every year we do an analysis of all of the incidents that are occurring uh, across, um, uh, across the United States that we can identify through either reports or um, publicly available in news or social media. So we scour the public web. We try to bring this all together to give a comprehensive view of the state of drug diversion. You can't really solve a problem unless you know what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so we've done this with other types of solutions that we offer, but we try to understand what is the industry standard? What are, what, how big is the problem? What's unfortunate is every time we do this study, we find that what we're really dealing with is, is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and what organizations know about compared to what's being reported uh, is, is only a fraction. And then what organizations know about compared to what's happening beneath the surface is an even bigger part of the puzzle. Um, and so we try to publish this, or we, so we publish this report every year to help health systems really understand the magnitude and think about how much they're um, focusing their resources on a solid diversion program, be that manual or automated with a platform like ours. Uh, and so we actually just published uh, um, recently our 2021 Diversion Digest, which again, we think is the most comprehensive view of the state of diversion uh, in the US. And is that available to anyone or is it just your customers? It is available to anyone. In fact, okay. uh, we see our uh, Diversion Digest uh, cited frequently in, in, by news outlets, but also it's, it's highly leveraged by law enforcement as well. Um, you know, we know this problem is not specific to healthcare, but, but we make this product available generally just to help the industry as a whole really understand the magnitude of the problem. Fantastic. Okay. And I'll include that link for that publication when we post the video. So those that aren't familiar with it have an easy way to get to it. And I will be really curious to see your 2022 research after all of this COVID pandemic stuff. Um, I've spoken recently to somebody who's involved in the recovery phase and he said it's it, things are an absolute mess out there right now just the extra pressures and everything else that's been going and and the lack of um people we're not facilities aren't watching as much as they used to because they have other priorities right so there's a lot going on right now that has really increased what he has seen in in people that are having that substance abuse problem. So next year will be kind of interesting to to look at the difference and if you see it. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I, we know that the pandemic obfuscated the problem 
overall. And uh, as things normalize relatively, um, you know, I think we'll really need to start peeling back and and understanding how much work it's gotten because of the impact that pandemics have had on, on our industry. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you very much, Nick, for spending this time with me. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Terry. It's really a pleasure.